let love lead the way. I'm going to invite you to the passage I referred to two weeks ago as I started this series on love, growth, and purpose, the mission and vision of South Metro Ministries. And uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the Gospel of John, chapter 13. I want to take you there again as sort of the introductory remarks of today's lesson, but the focus of the lesson today will be on 1 Corinthians 9, to which we will refer to in a few moments. We have revisited time and time again in the history of this church. Here we are again revisiting what is our purpose. Why are we here? Approximately 25 acres of property, hundreds of thousands of square feet. Now let me back up. Thousands of thousands of square feet. Membership of over 1,400. Ministry has been in existence for soon to be 40 years. Are we just another church on 34? Are we just a social club for Sunday morning? Have we found our cave and we're holding out for the rapture or the antichrist? Uh, we are here to fulfill the Great Commission. And we feel like it's embodied in a simple phrase that says South Metro Ministries exist to help people find love, growth, and purpose. And so in the Gospel of John, it says... In chapter number 13, verse number 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, by the kind of love that I have instructed you to love, by this will all know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You do not know how much I covet your prayers every day. And I don't tell you enough what an honor it is to stand before you every Sunday and how terrified I am after almost 37 years of ministry and 30 years of I have never preached so much till I got it down. I need your prayer. Would you stretch your hands in this direction and ask God to help me? Father, sometimes I come over arrogant, sort of cocky and got it in control, and that is not the way I want to come across. I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't want to placate anybody either. I just need you, God. Everybody here needs you. Now I come to stand before the people and, and uh, to present the Holy Word. I pray that you would sanctify us by that truth. That you would anoint me to bring that Word and anoint our he- ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. Everybody say amen. And it is amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I don't want to get bogged down in, in two weeks ago's uh, message, but I need to just bring you up to date. So here on the screen, on your on the front cover of your worship folder or bulletin, 
at the entrance of our new LED sign, you see the mission and vision statement, South Metro Ministries exists to help people find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. We'll give you some connection cards. We hope you will access them. Little business cards, the connection cards, you just give away with the name of the church, the location, the times of worship, the address on the internet. And if there's anything that I want to see South Metro Ministry become, I want it to be a house of prayer and a church that love builds. For my text, there are two observations I'd like for them to put it on the screen by way of introduction. Two observations that Jesus makes. We are to love others like he loves us. Jesus is saying, just as you and I experience the incredible love that he's given to us in our lives, we ought to turn around and love one another just like that. I mean people in the church, we ought to love people in the church. Can't love people in the church. What room you got for people in the world? But he addresses others too. And the next observation he says is that our love for others indicates our love for God. In other words, he tells us if we love one another, then everyone will know that we are the disciples of Jesus Christ. He says it is that incredible love for the body, meaning the body of Christ, the believers, you and I, incredible love for the body of Christ that allows others to know that we are the children of God. I'm not against wearing the what would Jesus do bracelet and, and, you know, t-shirts that announce that you are a follower of Christ and and a cross uh, necklace and such. And I'm, not, I'm against all that. Not against it. I, I'm just simply saying if you don't have a what would Jesus do bracelet and a cross that put over uh, on your neck on your clothing or, or some Jesus apparel. If, if, you don't, if you just love, love like Jesus love, people will want to be like Jesus. I, I move forward to tell you that one day as Jesus was talking, he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Pardon me, he was asked a question by someone, talking about who is my neighbor. The word neighbor is an interesting word in the Greek and in the Latin. The root of the word neighbor, nigh, N-I-G-H, means to draw near or close to someone. I feel something coming on. You know, in my opinion, the world's greatest preacher is T.D. Jakes. And T.D. Jakes says to pastors about preaching on Sundays, three things. Study yourself full, pray yourself hard, and then turn yourself loose. And I'm fixing to feel that third one coming on. Our Lord says that we are to love our God with all our mind, all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. And then we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. Don't be looking over there like you don't love yourself. You done got up this morning, yesterday, you done hung out that clothes you going to wear. Uh, my shirts are laundry and I'm glad for them, but on Saturday night I iron part you're going to see. I'm right here. Maybe the sleeves. Nothing else. Not every day, but before Sunday, I got my socks out and I got my other clothes out and my belt and everything is just for Sunday. And I get up and, and you know, 
act like we don't love ourselves. How many of you women got mirrors? Not just one. Mirrors in your push. Get up. You shave. Men, of course, uh, you know, and uh, I have more to ground to cover than you, but look in the mirror and put on that clothes and you look and you look again and look again. Then you get in the rearview mirror and you're supposed to be driving. You got this little stick hanging again going right there fixing this in. Because you somebody. You love yourself. You'll, you'll eat right. Exercise. Work out. Love yourself. You'll take care of yourself. Nothing wrong with loving yourself except when you become an, <laughs> a legend in your own mind. <laughs> Isn't he preaching? If you ever think you're a legend in your own mind, ask your mama or your wife and that'll take care of it right there. <laughs> Jesus says, in order to love others like we love ourselves and he loves, we should love him, we ought to draw close to those around us, not only to those who come to church with us, but those outside the walls of the church. And I'm hasting to tell you that loving one another is a core value of South Metro Ministries. Now you know the story of John chapter 13. These four chapters in the Gospel of John, 13, 14, 15, and 16, are the most intimate chapters in all of the Gospels. The setting is the last evening that our Lord spends with the disciples before the Garden of Gethsemane, before the cross. And Jesus is spending this time with those disciples, and, and you know what happens. They come to the upper room. It was very typical during an evening meal for the servant to be in the room that was rented by the disciples. But that particular evening, there were no servants there except the disciples. There was, however, a basin with a towel, and if the servant was there... They would take the basin and the towel and wash everyone's feet prior to the meal. It was the custom of the culture and the time. Something happened that evening, however. I'm not sure what happened, but there was no servant to wash the feet of the guests. So the disciples looked at one another, and, and since it was very customary to begin the evening washing feet, they kind of wondered who was going to wash feet. And, and I know exactly what they started doing. They started playing the order, the pecking order game, because it was usually the least among you that washed the feet. Servant. So there they are, disciples and Jesus, and they're trying to figure out among themselves who would be the least among us. And I'm sure that Peter, James, and John looked at themselves and, and, and they thought, well, it certainly won't be one of us because we are part of Jesus' inner circle. He had 12, but three that were part of his inner circle. And, and you know what Peter was really saying? He was saying to himself, it, it sure is not going to be me. And, and while they're going on with this business about who's going to wash feet, after the, the, the bread is served and, and the juice is served and the meal and he institutes what we know as the Lord's Supper, Jesus takes out his outer robe and, and his inner garment is there and he takes the basin of water and he takes a towel and he goes to everybody, every man in that room and he takes, the, he, he, he takes water, pours it over each of them, their feet and he wipes it with a towel. And, and, and what happens here is he comes to Peter and, and Peter say, said to the Lord, Lord, uh, you, you shouldn't be washing my feet. 
uh, I, I, should be, uh, I should be washing yours. And, and Peter says, let it be for now that I wash your feet because, because if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part in me. And Peter said, not just my feet, but my head and my, and my whole body. The Lord says, no, just your feet. Because what Jesus means is, if you're going to be part of me, you're going to have to learn that in order to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be servant of all. You got that, didn't you? You see, a lot of people look at preachers and pastors and successful people in ministry, and the ministry I know, so I'll talk about it, and they think, you know, one day I'm going to be T.D. Jakes, and one day I'm going to be Billy Graham, and one day I'm going to be John Hagee, and, and they think you just get born one day, and you're about 19 years old, you decide you're going to be them, and when you turn 20, you are. It don't happen that way. There's a price to be paid. I'm not T.D. Jakes, I'm not Billy Graham, I'm not any of those, but I'm telling you that for the last 30 years of pastoral ministry and 37 years of ministry altogether and being born in a pastor's home, I've watched my mom and dad pay price for the ministry. And I'm not saying that we're doing God a favor. Can I get a, can I get a witness here? Okay? What I've understood, I stood looking at the eastern gates in 1996, uh, the city of Jerusalem, the ancient city and the ancient wall, and I saw the cemetery facing the eastern gate, and, uh, and I was moved by the Holy Spirit when I had one of those divine aha moments. I had, I had one of those epiphanies with God, and the Lord told Alan Matura, I wrote it down in my journal on that day in January 1996, he said to Alan Matura, in order to be great! In the kingdom, you've got to be servant of all. It begins by loving the unlovable. And so Jesus washed their feet. And there were three things. Put on the screen for me. Jesus demonstrated three attitudes that I want us to learn in this business of love. Number one, Jesus had nothing to prove. Number two, Jesus had nothing to lose. He was going to die. What else could be lost? And number three, he had nothing to hide. For Jesus knew who he was, he knew where he was going, and he knew his mission in life. And in in this incredible security of who he was, he was able to care and to minister to others. In fact, in the next 24 hours, because he knew who he was and he knew his identity, he was able to do some incredible things that otherwise he would not be able to do. Look at him, listen. Think about this. After he does this, this humiliating, servant-like duty of love, the Bible says what followed him was, number one, he was going to be betrayed by one of his dearest friends. Did not Peter deny Jesus the same one who said, everybody else will forsake you, but I'll... Huh? You ever had friends like that? Don't raise your hands. Not be sitting right there amongst them. Hey, here's something else that he endured because of his love. He was able to to comfort the disciples at his hour of greatest need to tarry and pray with him when they should have been comforting him. Here's what the incredible love of the Lord does and the power of it. When you know who you are in Christ and you know that you don't have anything to lose or prove or hide. Oh, I figured a football. Number three, he was able to turn the other cheek when the Roman soldiers 
scourged him, blasphemed him, spat on his face, plucked his beard. Don't come here telling me you love. (laughs) When the first thing that comes to our mind when we get offended is a curse word of how we can kill somebody. The little Indian is preaching fine. Thank you. I'm encouraged by your overwhelming response. I want to kill a few folks, but thank God that don't work that way because a few folks might want to kill me. That ain't right. Thou shalt not kill. Here's another thing Jesus was able to overcome and to do in the power of love. He was willing to die. He didn't have to die. Can I get a witness? He was God incarnate. God in the flesh. Don't you know if a man could raise the dead, he didn't have to die? But he died so you and I wouldn't die. Jesus. I, I, I need to move right along here and tell you. I, I remind, I'm right of the account of the Special Olympics. You know the Special Olympics is an event where the participants and the athletes of the Special Olympics are people with special needs or physical handicaps. This is a true account. On the occasion of the Special Olympics one year, The event was the 100-yard dash. The participants lined up, the gun sounded, and off they went running down the track. About halfway around the track, one of those children fell. And immediately, all the others running in that race stopped, turned around, came over to where the fallen child was and picked him up and they went across the finish line together. That's love. So, so when I think about the love of God, and, and I, I need to ask and answer this question, and, and let, me, let me stay with my notes here. What must we do to love as Jesus loves? And that's where I want to take you to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'll, I'll, maybe I'll have it on the screen for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about how loving like Jesus loved. Now, he, he said, the first thing I want you to, to know here is, in loving like Jesus loved, we must be willing to abandon our rights. Let me explain. The, the, abandon our rights. The text here is from the... Contemporary English version of the Bible, CEV. It works for me because it's contemporary in its understanding, but doesn't damage the truth. So in 1 Corinthians 9 and 3, it says, When people question me, Paul is speaking now. He's speaking to the people of Corinth. When people question me, I tell them that Barnabas and I have the right to our food and drink. We each have the right to marry one of the Lord's followers and take her along with us, just as the other apostles also and the Lord's brother and Peter do. Just at, at verse, verse 11, when we told the message to you, it was like planting spiritual seed 
So we have the right to accept material things as our harvest from you. Verse 12. I'm going to explain this in a moment. If others, you see five times you see the word right. If others have the right to do this, we have an even greater right. But we haven't used this right of ours. We are willing to put up with anything to keep from causing trouble for the message of Christ. Now, now what is Paul saying here about loving like Christ loves? Three times, Paul says that he and Barnabas, who are fellow ministers of the gospel, have the right because we are fellow laborers as other apostles and teachers. Other apostles and teachers, he says, they eat food among you. You serve them and bless them. And they drink what is put before them. Some of the apostles and, and, and brothers, they take a wife in marriage and they travel with them in the ministry. We have elected not to do that. And he says, we have the right to be able to earn our living by the preaching of the gospel like others do. Oh, preach a little bit. <laughs> uh, the, the, the thought is that the Word of God says, do not muzzle the ox that threads out the grain. Meaning that the very ox that does the labor for you gains its nutrition from being allowed to eat some of the grain while it does it. <laughs> yeah, you, you understand what I'm saying? The shepherds that keep the sheep and the goats, etc., and other animals, especially those animals that are life-giving with milk. The shepherds are allowed to take off the product of the, uh, of, of the milk that is created in the cheese, and, and, and etc., to live by. And Paul says, we've come among you, not asking for offerings or for titles, although... The workman is worthy of his labor. That's why, I don't have an issue here with this at all, but I'm just telling you this. That's why you ought to take care of the man of God. You have with me, and I'm grateful. But there's a lot of people out there on on the uh, looking live streaming or listening to me otherwise who think all we do as preachers is is have a one-day job on Sunday morning. I don't know when you were born... But you need to get a life. Okay? Uh, you're welcome to ride with me and see my schedule every day. You're welcome to see my journal and my notes. You're welcome to see them. But I ain't going to let you see them. Because it is none of your business. Okay? Here's the point. You take care of the pastor, but there's some, some of you out there who have that mentality. That he drives a nice car and I do. The older I get, the more bells and whistles I want. And if it could make bacon and eggs, I'd be buying me one of them too. But I remember where I came from. I was born in a house in the island in Trinidad. Lived as a boy. Galvanized roof. Leaking roof. You ain't got enough pots and pans. The plumbing was outside. Anybody know what the outside plumbing means? Huh? 
You could see the dirt floor through the wood. I know where I came from and I'm willing to go back if I need to. Okay? But if you think I'm in this for the money, you, you, you are brain dead. Because some of the stuff I got to put up with from some of you all, oh my, it's no wonder, no wonder I had some issues last couple of years. I love you. You know, I love you, but I wouldn't want to be you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just simply saying we, we got this idea of, uh, uh, we, we got this idea of preachers. There are some preachers who work two jobs and still pastor a church. There's some preachers who got to, they, they don't have my, in other words, I, I don't, I'm not in this for the Lexus and for the, for the big church. I, 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 if God tells me to go to Africa or to India or become a missionary, it's gotta be God. Don't you tell me God sent me somewhere unless you're willing to go with me. Understand? You know what I'm saying? But Paul says, I don't care about the Lexus and the Cadillac and the entourage. You know, I, I come in here and we got people helping me out and because, because you know, I've, I've grown. I remember when we ran 39 people and I come in here and I, I don't need an entourage. I just need to be protected from some of you. Uh, you know, just, just like you know, the whole fact of the matter is I, I, I got some rights, but I'm not in this for what I can get out of you. I'm going to preach come hell or high water. I'm going to preach in a church or in a tent or in a brush harbor or all by myself because of the love of God. I'm not doing this. I I, want to be like Paul. God called me to preach. (laughs) I'll preach at a drop of a hat and drop my own hat to preach. Because I don't deserve to be a preacher. I want any better than when you were lost without God. Somehow in God's wisdom, he chose my foolishness. You can call me foolish if you want to. But if he calls me his, I'm happy with the time. Let him talk about you. Let him talk about your house and your car and your job and your nice clothes. It's God who gave it to you. Just as long as it doesn't own you. Don't go running up your credit card knowing everybody you see just because you want to be one of them. That ain't right. But if you've earned it and God's given it to you, enjoy it right after you pay your tithe. <laughs> so it's not about you. We love like Jesus because we accept our responsibility. Verse number 16 and verse number 17. How are we coming? I hear there's a game on tonight. And I got one prediction for that. Somebody's going to win that game. Somebody's going to win that game. Paul says in verse 16 and 17, just leave on. He says, I don't have any reason to brag about preaching the good news. Preaching is something God told me to do. And if I don't, I'm doomed. If I preach because I want to, I want to be paid. But even if I don't want to. It is still something God sent me to do. And I'm going to preach. That's my responsibility. Is to tell the word and tell the truth. Can, can somebody say amen? Paul says, I'm willing to give up all my rights. So I can love like Jesus did. 
I don't want to be a debtor to nobody. Can I get an amen? You remember when Abraham defeated the enemies who came and stole and robbed from his nephew Lot? You remember and took a host of his people? And Abraham and about 300 or more people went after them. And after, after God gave him back his, his family and, and he got all of the bounty and all of the, the uh, precious jewels of his enemies. The Bible says he took and distributed it out to some of the, those who didn't even go fight, some of the other kings after tithing to God. And he says, I'll, I'll do that even though I have a right to keep it all because none of you all went out helping me. But I don't want it ever to be said of Abraham that somebody else made him rich. God took care of him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to move on to tell you that, that, oh, help me, Jesus. Every once in a while, we want to be the one Sitting up there in the chair and having somebody else wash our feet. But Jesus, though he was without sin and didn't, and others should be washing his feet, he reversed the role. And he, you all sit up here, you put your feet in this tub. Giving up my rights. There's only twice in the Bible that the word basin is mentioned. And it all happens within the same 24 hours. The first basin is when he took the basin with water and washed their feet. The next basin is when Pilate requested a basin of water. After the mob brought Jesus into his presence and told Pilate that he deserved to die. Pilate knew the truth of the story that Jesus did not deserve to die. Pilate says, I have questioned this man and I find no fault in him. Pilate's wife, the night prior to Pilate's judging, or in the daytime she took a nap. All this judging business going on. She took a nap and she said, I just got up from a nap and I'm scared to death. And in that nap I had a dream. And you, Pilate, better not have anything to do with this sinless son of God. And in order, he should have by right released Jesus and freed him as a free man. But he asked for a basin and a towel. And he, before the, his public, he washed his hands and he said, his blood be upon you. And the Jews, being arrogant as they were, said, let it be. And it is until this day they're suffering. Can anybody help me preach here? But, but I, I, I want you to understand, I don't want to be the second tub basin guy. I, I, ooh, I feel it. I, I, I don't want to say I wash my hand from homosexuals and lesbians and those who have abortions and those who do uh, drugs and alcohol and have issues with pornography. Anybody hearing me? I, I wash my hands from alcoholics and whoremongers and cheats and lies. No, 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 no. I, I don't want. I don't want to live in that way. But I, Jesus didn't come to save the well. He didn't come to heal the well. He didn't come to save. The righteous, he came to heal the sick and to save the sinner. And if you're going to be like Jesus, you won't turn up your nose and look at a sinner like you're somebody special. You'll get you a towel and you'll get you a basin and you'll love them whether you want 
to or not, and soon you'll want to. And I wish you'd give the Lord some thanks. Why do I have to yell? Because it's just me. Let me tell you something else about loving like Jesus loved. You've got to accept the role of a servant. Verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9 says, I am not anyone's slave. Can you put it on the screen, please? Point number three, acceptance of the role of a servant. Verse 19. I am not anyone's slave, but I have become a slave to everyone so I can win as many people as possible. Paul says, I'm willing to submit myself. The highest authority is not the law. The highest authority is love. So, so in order to love like Jesus, you abandon your rights. You accept your responsibility. You are your brother's keeper. Ooh, does anybody feel it? Is this just me? Or? The older I get, the more I realize how much more I've got to learn. The role of a servant. And then number four. Uh, uh, yeah, here. No, give me the next slide, if you would, please. We make adjustments to people's needs to love like Jesus loved. When I am with the Jews, I live like a Jew to win Jews. They are ruled by the law of Moses, and I'm not. But I live by the law of Moses when I'm with them. And, and when I'm with people who are not ruled by the law, I forget about the law to win them. Of course now, of course, get this, he qualifies it. Of course I never really forget about the law. I don't forget thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit murder. I don't forget it. I live by the rule of Christ, which is even higher than the law. When I'm with people who, whose faith is weak, I live as they do to win them. I do everything I can do to win everybody I possibly can. I do all of this for the good news because I want to share in its blessings. For Alan Matura at age 55 to be preaching this kind of sermon is a miracle. Because I was brought up under legalism. Oh, I'm going to tell you like... I was brought up, and I'm not blaming anybody. Uh, our forefathers in the faith, in the denomination of the Church of God, was living the Word and interpreting the Word to the best of their ability. Man, everything was wrong in the Church of God. You couldn't do nothing. Women couldn't cut their hair. Man, I'd be going to hell. Look at my head. <laughs> Couldn't wear jewelry. Couldn't wear slacks out in public at church. Uh, it was all about the women. Somehow it was just always all about the women, you know. A man could. Couldn't go. I never went to a high school basketball game or football game or college. Oh, sin, sin, sin. Everything, sin, sin. Is banana pudding good? Does it taste good? Don't eat it, it's sin. 
didn't buy my wife no engagement ring or wedding band because excessive jewelry. Brought a little watch. Said, will you marry me under the bells at Stone Mountain Park? Did not take no fun answer. I asked for days. <laughs> Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Just because, before I jumped off the top of the mountain, she said yes. A lie, and I think I should have forgiven me, Jesus. Please don't feel sorry for the first lady. She is made up for every finger ring she missed, every piece of. She and Jared's, they got something going, and I'm right in the middle of it. Don't feel sorry for her. If you want to see a very good movie that'll bless you, break your heart, and teach you, go see the movie Unbroken. True story. So I've been to the movies. A few of them I wish I didn't go to. Wish you didn't have so much cussing in the movies. Everything was off. But here's the problem. When you realize you got rights, you run into the danger of going too far on the other side. Everything's right. Everything's right. Paul says everything may be permissible for me, but not everything is good for me. Now, <laughs> this may empty a few chairs, but I'll risk it. Come, come to the music, if you will. My, I might need some music to say this. I don't drink alcohol in any form. Any form. And I don't really recommend it for anybody. No alcohol. No beer. No wine. Nothing. Total abstinence is my life's call. What about Jesus turning water into wine? Reminds me of the Catholic priest who got stuck on the highway for swerving while he drove. Crossing the lines. You know, officer, you stop, you stop for me. Sure enough, the police come over the window. The priest rolled the window down and says, Yes, officer. Priest, police look at the front seat and there's a brown bag there. And uh, there's a uh, Father, did you know you were swerving? Well, son, I realized that. They were afraid of that I needed to see the content of that bag. Priest handed it over to him and says, This is wine. Officer, this is wine. Priest said, Good God, he done did it again. Turned the water into wine. I don't do it because. I don't know whether I love it so much that I'll be like some preacher who drank before he preached and after he preached. You're laughing, but that's true. I don't even touch it because I, see, I saw too many car wrecks. I've seen too many deaths. I've seen too many domestic violence as a result of people who couldn't curb their drinking craze. And by the same way, I don't snort it, shoot it, suck it. Up. I don't want. I, I care about those who are suffering. And if marijuana could be used as a medicinal purposes within the boundaries of safety, perhaps. I said perhaps. I don't know enough about it. But I sure don't want it like they have it out in Colorado. Everything goes. 
I may become all things to win all, but I ain't going to hell with you. That's what Paul, I, I love you, but there comes a point in place in time that if you're not willing to give it up and ask God to help you, I will no longer be among you. You see, here's where I, I have a problem with people who know what's right and they do what's wrong anyhow. Can, can I get a witness here? Here's where I have a problem. I have a problem with, with Christian godly people who have already found Jesus, who already know it's wrong to fornicate and adulterate and do all this other stuff, but they keep doing it every week just because they say the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. There comes a time when God will turn us over to a reprobate mind. So don't lose out. Stop. Get a counselor. Get help. Go to a program. Get some love. But for the rest of us, quit judging everybody else so like we ain't never been there and done that and live like hell. This door is wide open for anybody looking for Jesus. Anybody look. It will always be. But this door is not wide open for anybody coming here changing the word of God. And redefining love as homosexual love being God's will. See, I told you, you could empty a few chairs. But I'm not preaching to build a mega church. I'm preaching to get you from here to there. And even if I go before you, I want to meet you when I get there because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Is there any slides left? Media person, is there anything else left to preach? Would you stand, please, evidently? Stand all over this house. Come praise to you. Let me tell you about loving like Jesus loved. And the final point was on the screen. You do it because there is going to be a reward. You know that many runners enter a race and only one of them win the prize. Run to win. I wish I could sing. I'd sing, Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and Oh, love of God. Sing it with me. How rich and pure. How measureless and strong. How measureless and strong. It shall forever. It shall.